Hello and welcome to the multiverse of marketing. I am Crash and Burn, and with me, as always, is J.R. Sweeney. Hello. Hello. <laughs> next, next time, I'm totally gonna actually like record that and mix it in with some like trumpets and shit, so I don't have to fucking yell it every time, especially if my voice is like just on the edge of croaking okay well do what you gotta do right do what you gotta do because not even i can talk forever not even about star trek which is what we are talking about today because yes i got my way we're doing star trek don't worry i'll be punished soon uh, you know it's a it's a trade-off and i mean it's not a punishment <laughs> that's not what you said before it, we're all just here to learn that's all we're here to learn yeah and granny goodness loves you yeah. <laughs> but for today it's a different kind of pain uh today we're tackling the first half of the history of star trek comics uh star trek this Little weird sci-fi show from the 60s and then like subsequent other things. I, I, I don't know. I've never heard of it before or it's 50. Ooh, I want to say five, six years, 56 years uh, history. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of it before. Oh, wait, I, I, I host a podcast about it. Shit. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Oh, yeah. Ah, that. ah, so, you know, uh, 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 cards and other things on the table. I, of course, am an enormous and embarrassing Trekkie. Trekkie, not Trekker. Uh, Trekker is a more like, uh, Trekker came around, uh, around the time of like Star Wars, uh, Phantom Menace when, uh, Star Trek fans, like, Star Trek got, like, crappier and crappier and crappier, and Star Trek fans tried to reinvent themselves in, like, a cool way to stand out against, like, the objectively cooler, <coughs> in a manner of speaking, uh, Star Wars fans at the time, and so Trek-er is the more aggressive, dominant version of Trek-E, which is feminine, city, silly, and light. Mm. Uh, however, yes, I say Trek-E because the spirit of Star Trek is not to be a Trekker, but a Trek-E. Uh, the, the spirit of cooperation and friendship is magic and also lasers. Okay. Well, uh, you know, yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I find the whole thing, like... I feel like considerations of cool uh, got left behind a long time ago. And I'm not saying this just about Star Trek. I'm saying this about all of these things. Like, I'm a huge nerd. And oh, yeah. I, you know, like any cool that I've ever had has been incidental to <laughs> what I enjoy. <laughs> does that you know it's it's it whatever be be a huge fucking dork it's fine like I, yeah no no i like that that's easy to say now and we all live in a wonderful postmodern world and such uh around the times of say uh insurrection sure eh, it's not so easy to say yeah no i i get you um even the nerds don't want to sit with you yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is this is the before times this is before we reached uh such decadence and depravities uh this is the the early years the first uh 20 uh, 
the first just under 30 years of Star Trek comic books. And that may seem like a lot, but actually it's more or less just leaping around a little bit for funsies. Uh, none of this matters. None of it counts. And that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, there, there really does. I mean, especially with the gold key era, but even in the DC uh, years, continuity and it feels weird to say this about a DC book, but continuity isn't really an issue. Uh, I, I will, we'll get in, we'll get into that cause it's going to be fun, but I love the way that continuity is and is not an issue. It just, it like it, it it's playful. It's yeah. playful. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that and come back to it because Ooh, that's a doozy. Uh, but yeah, the very first Star Trek comic book comes out in 1967 uh, from Gold Key Comics. Gold Key Comics was a subsidiary of a children's publishing book uh, uh, company. They did the Little Golden Books, uh, which are children's books that y you probably recognize you know, from like the age of three or four or something, or at least, you know, if you're uh, older than... I, I guess the pokey little shit. puppy and all that. Exactly. Any book that had a golden spine on it and like drawings on the inside that seemed to be from the forties or fifties. Right. Like very simple uh, stuff. This was the same company, but their gold key comics uh, did pretty damn well. It ran for about 20 years, uh, 12 of which this comic book ran mm -hmm. and they handled a lot of properties including uh disney yeah. like in the in the 60s and 70s they handled a lot of disney comics uh along with like a bunch of other television stuff but you know the funniest thing about these gold key comics that like first of all their covers look classic 60s comic book of just yeah. we we have no idea how to sell a comic book right but you know Here's this TV show. Here's a still from this TV show, completely unrelated to the uh, issue. Uh, I really like these. They're they're <laughs> they're kind of groovy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, they're they're very like they're very TOS. Yeah. You know, like th these, I feel would be a great season four or continuation of the animated series the the original uh funimation uh, series yeah uh, they all have that same level of there's no real continuity but you have that mid-century sci-fi storytelling where everything's like an allegory or it's a godlike being or you know it it's a a godlike being that is a child right or or, or or it's it's space Nazis, space cowboys, space whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you've if you've watched the original series and you've seen the episodes like the Yanks and the Combs and all of that, I think that's what they were called, right? The Cold War. I, uh, I believe so. Yeah, I, I, I always think of the uh, the one where they have television and it's the Roman Empire and uh, there's like the sun worshippers. But but it's spelled different. It It's spelled different. That that means Jesus. That means yeah. Jesus. Well, <laughs> the the Yanks and Combs <laughs> one is the one where it ends with uh, with Kirk reciting uh, the Declaration oh. of Independence. If you've seen yeah. that episode, like the, you know, the gold key comics are basically that. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine. It's, if you, if you were a fan of Star Trek uh, at the time, then it was just Star Trek some more. And yeah. You know, and it, it 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 lasted for so much longer than like like people think like okay Star Trek went off the air and then there was no more Star Trek Star Trek was dead and then the M A series came along and then there was a dearth of Star Trek Star Trek was dead and it's like no uh, every month Gold Key pumped out a fresh Star Trek uh, uh, story and like they kept 
character in line. The, the, the designs were pretty funky because uh, originally it was drawn with no access to the episodes, just like stills right. and descriptions. Right. So like Scotty looks random as fuck. And uh, there's some fantastic moments when uh, the Enterprise is rocketing around like cities. Yeah. And, and the nacelles are, uh, of course, booster jets. And it's just, mm, yes, this is what I'm here for. This kind of just disconnect before it becomes that general cultural zeitgeist common knowledge that at the very least rockets don't come out of like the enterprise see now you say that this is news to me now i i've never seen star trek so uh (laughs) i did (laughs) i did no research for this one whatsoever uh Okay, you know Professor X? He's the captain. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Pretty straightforward from there. I know I sounded I sounded before like I knew what I was talking about, but that was literally just a Wikipedia uh recap. Like I did not <laughs> I have not I know Scotty. Who the fuck is Scotty? Uh <laughs> And, and like that's actually kind of another reason why I adore these gold key comic uh, issues, because you can approach it with like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What the hell is Star Trek? And it feels like instead of a comic that is adapted from a uh, a 60s television show, it feels like you're just picking up a random issue of some 50s sci-fi comic that has been going since, like, after the war. Mm. You know, like, it's pure Eisenhower, like, fantasy. And it it's, it's nearing its end or so. You know, it, it's not going to last into the 70s too much longer. But it's just this delightful, like... 1950s Americana vision of going out into space and bringing democracy and the like. Yeah. Yeah. Look out, Ivan. Uh-uh. <laughs> and it, it just, it's like, you could, you could forget that there was ever a TV show, that there were ever movies, that were there's ever books written by William Shatner, that there was anything. And, 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 I'm really committing by saying that because like my entire life has been Star Trek. Uh, So, so, you know, when I say like, I am willing to eject all of that, if it was just this and like it was Star Trek was only ever this quirky little mid-century comic book, I would be happy because this is truly delightful. And like, I, I was raised on the DC uh, Star Trek comic books uh oh i'm sorry and so <laughs> yeah no that that's fair uh and and so like it the continuity of these mean a lot to me and for a long time gold key comics felt like a cheap cop-out because you just know them for what they are they were ash can comics mm-hmm. uh that were just like it's an ip pump it out it's an ip pump it out uh like even their their like Disney comics were subpar compared to like the Gladstone era stuff, and and so I ignored them for years, and I'm so annoyed at myself for not having enjoyed Gold Key comics for decades, specifically when they were cheaper. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Not fifty fifty. Uh the raffle is fifty fifty. I am <laughs> Yeah, Star Trek. Um <laughs> the these these are fine. I you know they're they're not they're not bad. Um they're just a whole lot of like let's run around and do Star Trek stuff, and that's fine. Like there's no, um, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of ultimately the same sort of issue that I have with like the Star Wars comics where it's just kind of like, 
well, we can't go too far afield here, you know. We can't we can't have uh Spock murder bones or anything like that. Like uh you know, like it's just it's just uh basically stories between the ones you saw. I mean, that's really all it is, is just here's some here's some additional adventures. Uh, they're not going to grant you great insights into any of these characters, but they're fine, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just really liked how this thing, this, this cheap little comic book, uh, multiple times found itself as like, well, Star Trek's dead again, except for us. Yeah. So I guess we get to do whatever the fuck we want. Right. Yep. Looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, yeah, they're good. I mean, <laughs> they're good. They're not earth shattering, but they're, uh, yeah, like, sure. Such excitement, and well, like I, I, I can tell just like how over the moon you are about this topic and and if you loved gold key comics then i know you ate the fuck out of the british 21st century uh strips from tv 21 oh yeah let me tell you oh yeah um <laughs> no the yeah look here's here's the thing i have always been a casual fan of star trek which any more is difficult um it because like there's all these shows and all these different you know there's all the different stuff um and the wiki's no fucking help uh <laughs> because because i look look <laughs> Write the wiki like you got a goddamn brain. Like, no, here, I, I hate this so much. And look, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here. I know this is glass houses. Okay. I know like as, as someone who has been a Transformers fan their entire life, I got no room to talk. Our, but ours sucks in a different way, okay? You all, you all are writing this shit like it's an actual, like, history. And you don't need, no. Because put the information that someone might need to know up front, like, if I want to find out when a character first showed up, I don't want I don't want to sit there and go on a fucking uh, scavenger hunt through 24 paragraphs of character history. No, I just I just put that up front, put it first appearance, this episode, first appearance, this book, boom, done, over. I don't need i don't it's not real i hate to break it to you it's not you can write it like it's real but it's not these are so, fictional uh... characters <laughs> you do not need to write their fucking autobiography or anything okay all i need i just need to know like if i want to if i want to scroll down if I'm like really jazzed about this background character, third ensign from the left, like I can, I can read, the, you know, their own personal history or whatever, but let me know the important shit up front. Cause here, you know, I, I sit here and I try to put together like questions for like trivia and stuff like that. And I try to make it a little hard. You know, I try to make it a little, like you have to have seen the thing, you know? Uh, but it it makes, it it's no help whatsoever. 
because anytime I Google, hey, when did this character first appear? It leads me back to the Star Trek wikis, and that's no help. I just... <laughs> you fucking... Just write the thing like it's a TV show. Because it is. It's not real. You don't need to... You don't... This isn't the Encyclopedia Galactica, people. Just... It's a fucking show. <laughs> Sorry. I... That was... That was... I got real mad. <laughs> No, it was uh, it was quite entertaining to watch. I mean, the memories are, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, they can be a little much. I, you know, just this is why I, this is why I like like the Marvel and DC fandom wikis is because mm. you go in and you're just like, hey, here's a character. And you click on it, and it says, like, here's their real name. Uh, here's where they first appeared. Who's here? Who's here? Who created them? Hey, you want a list of their every appearance? There you go, Chief. Like, it's all right there. And then, if you want to go and read the fictional character biography, cool. Have fun. There's fucking footnotes. Uh, but... The Star Trek wiki is just this block of text that's just like, on Stardate 2541, he had a really bad bout of food poisoning from a burrito he ate in the... I don't give a fuck. I don't... Why, why are you devoting this much... This is not the what the internet is for. No, but it is what Star Trek is for. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. So from 1969 <laughs> to 1971, TV21 magazine, which typically covered such classics as like Thunderbirds and Captain Rocket and shit. Uh, have you ever read any of those like classic British comics? Like uh, Doctor Who comics from the mid-century, uh, mm -hmm. Thunderbirds, all that. Uh, for anyone who's never picked one of these up, I, I used to have a couple of Thunderbird comics uh, when I was a kid. Uh, British comics are fucking gorgeous. I don't mean like like Marvel comics and DC comics published there or, or like Captain, the, the original like, like uh, Marvel Man. Yeah, the original Marvel Man and stuff like that. No, I mean the magazine comics the comics that for two one or two splash pages would appear in the middle of like fan magazines or in this case a uh, a magazine promoting a television uh network so it's all like cartoons or, and comics from the the shows that they they show and they are beautiful they all have the same general art style which is like uh, World War II painting, but every panel is a World War II painting of whatever the hell it is. So, like, maybe it's knights and uh, castles. Maybe it's Star Trek. Maybe it's the Thunderbirds. Maybe it is it is war or something. But they're all gorgeously rendered, like, like hand-painted. And they all kind of look like the art style from V, from Vendetta, uh, v for Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah, British comics have always, you know, if you if you read British comics now, they're basically the American version uh, mm. of things. But even after that sort of mid-century era, when you started getting into um, into the like the Marvel and DC books and stuff like that, even then the the british comics were operating at a different level um and it's it's really it's kind of sad uh that it's been so homogenized now um because to 
to look at that uh not only not only were those comics responsible for a lot of um a lot of uh talent that uh then you know wound up in the larger comic industry but also just the amount of the quality of work they were turning out and the turnaround uh in which they were doing it was always really impressive so yeah yeah like incredible i believe um these had once a week uh uh public uh, publishings and it was full color in like six colors a lot of yellow and red a lot of splashes uh heavily inked um and every every quote unquote issue uh which was just a couple of pages would be the continuation uh classic doctor who style of like a little bit of a very long series right. and so instead of getting like uh here's part 1 or part 2 of a story or here's a one off you would essentially be dealing with maybe 30 seconds as it just rockets from cliffhanger to cliffhanger or in the really boring ones conversation to conversation and sometimes it ends mid-conversation and the next day we're picking that conversation right back up it's like oh sweet goddamn jesus this is taking forever to read yeah go go try and read the uh the the spider-man comics uh that came out in the newspapers oh they are a slog oh yeah yeah you spend half your time going back and like recapping the last sentence of the last thing said in the last one and so you waste so much time just being like yeah so like i was saying and it's just yeah (laughs) but no uh yeah yeah. And speaking of newspaper strips, there also was a Star Trek newspaper strip from 1979 to 1983. A daily one with colored on the Sunday. A daily Star Trek strip. Hmm. Oh my God. I would be in heaven, but also I can't imagine trying to come up with a daily Star Trek strip without like the entire four year run being one episode and just going shot by shot. Yeah. How, how the fuck do you do that? How on earth do you do that? That is, that is incredible. That is impressive. I couldn't get my hands on a copy of that, but I want to, uh, just to see how once again, incredibly repetitive the story uh telling is mm-hmm. and considering the contrived nature of star trek how wordy this nonsense must get near the end when it's just trying to recap everything you might need to know yeah right before the climax yeah that's what that's one reason that i could never get into you know I always read the comics like that was that was uh, whenever I would get a newspaper. That's why I would get it is to read the comics. Um, But I could never get into the ones that had an overarching story. Your uh, Mary Worth's, your Mark Trails, uh, your apartment, whatever. Uh, Just because we didn't have that one in the Canada's. Well. Yeah, you're missing out somehow. Uh, Brenda Stark. <laughs> yeah, well, we got for better or for worse. So uh, we uh, had that. We had that. Well, uh, then I apologize for it. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I apologize for you know everything America does. Um, <laughs> Don't apologize for Doonesbury. <laughs> uh but. Yeah, I couldn't. I always had a really hard time with those, especially, you know, you miss a day and suddenly you're like, who's this guy? Okay, I don't fucking care. Whatever. What's Calvin? What are Calvin and Hobbes doing? Like, you know. Yeah, you have to wait until they they have a clear like 
establishing shot again. It might take weeks yeah. for that comic to like reorient with a beginning like uh, of a story and be like, okay, now I can try again. But inevitably, you fall off the wagon. And yeah, you can always just jump back into Cavalier and Hobbs. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I have nothing but respect for the people who are able to turn out a strip like that. Uh, well done. But yeah, I just never got into them because I couldn't always count on getting papers regularly. Um, you know, we sure as hell were not going to pay for a subscription. So it was largely just dependent on whether or not my neighbors were paying attention. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there you go. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I couldn't count on being able to follow an, a, an ongoing storyline in those kinds of strips. And even then, like, most of those I just didn't care. Like, Brenda Starr is fine. I wish her well. But I don't really want to follow her adventures. Nor Mark Trail. Um, I, don't, I don't really care how uh, Mark is going to... I don't know get his finger out of that turtle's asshole like is that what <laughs> is that what mark trail gets up to i i really don't know um i i have no idea <laughs> i don't i don't want to know <laughs> i i i generally assumed that that strip was just this random park ranger walking around molesting animals so if i'm wrong please don't Please don't correct me because that's <laughs> nothing is going to be as fun as that. <laughs> and speaking of fun, <laughs> in this week, this week, the Jesus. adventure of the Randy Bobcat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that cat scratch on you, Ranger? Ah. Uh, uh. uh. In 1977, Mandala Productions and Banta Books teamed up to come up with a 12-issue uh, photo comic, which is essentially, if you've ever read Mad Magazine, where they got really lazy and just had a photo spread from a movie or television show and then put in word balloons with half-assed jokes, even by their standards, that's a photo comic, except there's no jokes. It's just dialogue from the show. And so they reprinted 12 episodes of the classic series and tried to launch that. And it pretty much just shit the bed because who who the fuck wants to read that? I would rather read about Mark Trail and the horny bobcat, but. <laughs> I mean, at least that's got some uh, sex to it, you know. Or you might see a guy get his dick mauled off. Either way. <laughs> Not in a syndicated strip, you won't. America has very different standards for what's allowed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And of course, Garfield could get away with it, but Garfield can get away with anything. Garfield... Garfield is one of those weird... The amount of clout Garfield has compared with how little of a shit Jim Davis gives creates this situation where Garfield could get away with anything it wanted, but Jim Davis just can't be fucked to do it. <laughs> like, oh no, oh no, it's it's far more insidious and fascinating than that. And we'll get into that because we're going to do a full Garfield episode. Because Garfield is like the nuclear stealth submarine of comic book marketing. Mm. Uh, it could end the world if it so chose. But it lurks instead. I silently. just, you know, nothing will ever, nothing and Garfield related will ever compare to the uh, Garfield, the storyline where Garfield imagined john and odie as he slowly starved to death in an abandoned house mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. it does it doesn't matter what jim davis does that's that's the peak that's no 
You will never beat that. It's right up there with John Arbuckle drinking Odie's semen. Uh, it wasn't Odie's. It wasn't Odie's. It was some random no. dogs. Oh, uh, okay. I see. See here, I I was upset that it was Odie's, but since it's just some random dog semen, that's it's all, all right. okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's totally um, okay. And and uh, speaking of okay, uh, in nineteen 19- <laughs> in nineteen seventy nine. Well, hang on. Uh, Marvel- I do want to. I do want to throw in oh, there. Oh yeah, by all means. The the uh, Flash game where you actually find out that uh john murdered lyman and buried him in the basement oh yeah i forgot about that anyway it's canon yeah it's canon and it makes sense sure (laughs) (laughs) fucking lyman fucking lyman anyway any anyway in 1979 when lyman was still fucking hanging around uh marvel was riding relatively high uh thanks to their star wars comic books and they went looking for other things to adapt and thankfully they were able to win the rights to star trek and assumed like okay big movie coming out star trek the motion picture and it's gonna be massive it's gonna be star wars times five and then we're going to launch a long-running comic series off of it and we're gonna make all of the fucking money. Uh, who can draw William Shatner? Anyone? Good. Thank God. Uh, don't make him lumpy. And uh, it got 18 issues and then fucking collapsed. Yeah. Because while Star Trek The Motion Picture didn't exactly fail. It was not Star It Wars. sure wasn't. Yeah, it sure wasn't Star Wars and it sure didn't make for exciting comic books. Yeah. Um well it doesn't it doesn't help any that the first issue out of the gate after their Star Trek the motion picture adaptation was a haunted house but in space. And and to be very very clear and explicit on this gentle reader because we don't expect you to have to go back and read a late 70s marvel failure comic because oh lord knows those are very terrible yeah like you know you're scraping the bottom of the barrel uh this isn't like say the event horizon you know a a haunted house in space in the form of a spaceship or or even Star Trek's many haunted houses in space where something haunts the Enterprise or or a space station or an abandoned spaceship. There are many haunted houses in space that are fantastic. No, this is the Adams Family House or possibly the House of Secrets or Mysteries in space. Land, plot, chunk of rock. and all. Yeah. 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 And and the, the, the Enterprise just comes up to it. Yep. You know, like it's a car pulling up to it. <laughs> sure. Like, you can hear the brakes just like, come on. And like, I don't, I don't know, Brad, maybe we should, maybe we should turn around. Damn it, Janet. This is, this is the only no. house in town. No. <laughs> but yeah, they just, they just go up and ring the doorbell, you know. <laughs> And then it's and then it's a fucking a fucking haunted house mystery, but it's Klingons. And yeah. And so when you when you start out and you're just like, okay, we've got the adaptation down. We're good to go. We can start doing our own stories. What do you got? What do you have? Uh, a A haunted house. So you mean like a <laughs> derelict freighter or no, just like a house, just like a house on some alien planet. <laughs> no, just, just floating there. Just floating. Damn it. Will you stop trying to push your shitty fucking Scooby-Doo script? No, Hanna-Barbera rejected it. We've rejected it. No one wants it. What do they, uh, what do they fight? Frankenstein, you know, Frankenstein is there, <laughs> Dracula, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, and then the usual, <laughs> the usual, 
Um, I, I just like that, you know, like there's a potential world out there where uh, uh, the Star Trek and the Van Helsing uh, franchises mm-hmm. uh, joined to forces and became one. No. No. Yes. Yes. No. We're yes. not doing that. Oh, delightful. Do not give them <laughs> ideas. Dude. Oh, we've so good. Uh, I already had to deal with space grinches, okay? I'm not I'm not doing Van Helsing in space, okay? I'm just I'm done. Anyway, the reason why this particular series sucked all of the balls is because they were expressly forbidden from using anything from the original series or any of the Gold Key content or any of the animated series. They can only draw from the movie, the motion picture itself, thus the Klingons, because they appeared in the motion picture which became a long-running excuse for pretty much any publisher to be like, Klingons, fuck it, it's all we have. Klingons, Klingons out the ass. Uh, by the time we get Romulans, they look very strange. Uh, but <sighs> this just falls down that wonderful 70s Marvel rabbit hole of, it's not Star Trek, it's just Star Trek characters lumped on top of the, uh, like, like, the last dying vestiges of the uh, the Marvel method. Well, where you're just recycling fucking issues and slapping new characters on it. It's like when it's like when someone uh, is going to be making a video game of like some established IP. Um, you know, like let's make a Popeye game. But then they can't get the rights to Popeye, so they slap something else on top of it. And it's just like, yeah, it's the Rugrats now. Uh, the Rugrats are fighting the Sea Hag. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, no. You, you know, you remember that time they fought the Sea Hag? Oh, they fucking hate the Sea Hag. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a copy-paste... Uh, you know, somebody had a script uh, that they that they had that they could just, you know, find and replace. Uh, and then they that was it, you know, knock off early, go uh, go get a drink with Stan. Why not? Yeah, it, it had uh, although Stan never worked on this uh, specifically, it had big uh Stan wants to go home today, uh, early today, uh, energy, in that it appropriated a lot, as with this this first issue post-movie, a lot of uh, public domain fiction Yeah. Uh, for settings and characters, and it's just, oh, God. Um, it, it's the worst, like, if Gold Key is the best aspects of season three of Star Trek, which is the worst season with the craziest fucking ideas uh then this uh, uh marvel's original run at star trek is the absolute fucking worst aspects of season three it's it's spock's brain 18 times yeah yeah, and I'm not surprised that it failed because who the fuck wants to read that and everyone assumed that well star trek's kind of dead i mean eh, that movie was all right but yeah it was it, as as you said it was no star wars so star trek was dead in the water and with a minuscule amount of money and no promotional ties whatsoever the studio pumped out wrath of khan and it made all of the money and brought star trek back and no one was ready it there was no comic book produced there was no adaptation of wrath of khan until within the last 10 years yeah uh, which we will get into next time but for now you know uh dc comics manages to get the rights because marvel of course isn't gonna be trusted with it anymore and by now i'm pretty sure gold key was dead and they pick it up after wrath of khan and 
we get a really fascinating eight issues of Star Trek, but Spock is dead. And it just, here's here's what Star Trek would look like if Laird Nimoy decided not to come back. Mm. We don't We don't lament on it. We don't kind of like not move past it. It's remarked on a few times, but it's really fascinating to see Star Trek without Spock. Like, original Star Trek with the burgundy jackets without Spock. Yeah. They, they, they create a few Spocks. They move things around so there is a Spock in one way or another. Sure. And then, of course, there's, you know, the odd Ensign Bearclaw and, uh, mm. you know who I really love that they go down to a planet and they bring in some bear claw and uh, they, they are trying to find someone and they're like, Hey, you had the standard, you know, sort of the traditional um, native upbringing. Right. And he's like, well, of course. And they're like, you can track him. Right. And it's just, just like, track him. Yeah, that's not offensive at all. Uh, oh, oh, not at all. I mean, that that's that doesn't at all feel like just picking off like a Chris Claremontism of just like uh, what know, what are our, uh, what can my multicultural friends do today? Chris Claremont would look at that and be like, "Fuck, dude." Uh, <laughs> you know, and then of course there's there's the point at which they go to a planet that is I don't want to use the word primitive because that I hate the idea of that's such a colonialist idea but I but don't it's know it's a very colonialist issue well like like that that's a that's a thing that can't be people. like stepped away from in that sense it's brown people like you have you have okay if you're gonna do some avatar bullshit Okay, where it's just like, you know, oh, they're so in tune and blah, 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 whatever. Make them fucking aliens. These are just these are just brown human beings. What? You couldn't be bothered to do a palette swap, for God's sake. Make them right. Like when when writing in the 60s is at least a little more inventive about discussing race than the 80s what the, what the fuck fuck just oh <laughs> i i read that and i'm sitting there going people come on make them red at least not not like i meh, bright red like <laughs> you know like noticeably alien not polka dot. I chose the wrong color there. I'm sorry. Always polka dot. Did not think that through. But the point is, <laughs> make them bright and a color that humans aren't. Because then you're. it's going to be clear what you're doing, but at least you have some plausible deniability. But if you just make them brown people, then... The jig is up, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and knowing from like posterity, you know that the jig is up for this uh, this particular short term run of like eight issues because we know that Search for Spock is coming, and Search for Spock picks up pretty much right after Wrath of Khan. Yeah, but. They eject seemingly the creative team because, uh, thank fuck, that kind of shit gets uh, uh, doesn't get repeated again much, much. There's always issues with it, sweet Jesus, but it never gets that bad again. No. Because uh, it, it seems that they figure, oh fuck, actually this isn't dead and we have to now keep up. And like we have to do, due to our contract, an adaptation of whatever movie is coming out. While also keeping the episode, the episodic issues going. Yeah. So they become masters of this fancy little dance in which uh, 
they they do the film adaptation. They kind of get a general feel for what the the new like established world and rules are and they play with everything within that to its full extent like by the end of search for spock uh they are the the search for spock era and going into voyage home they have uh, spock has gotten his memory back entirely they've gone to war uh uh with the, the mirror universe and the Romulans, Spock has then, due to a plague, lost his memory again, and they they had stolen and used for multiple issues the Excelsior. And so for a time <laughs> Star Trek was the exciting adventures of Kirk, Bones, and Spock and crew aboard the Excelsior. Just like the original plans for uh, post Search for Spock, where the production studio wanted them to move on from the Enterprise and like take charge of the Excelsior, and that was the point of introducing the Excelsior. And so it, it's it's fascinating. You get this like alternate universe look at what that could have been like, and then at the very end, they're like, ah. Fuck, uh, we got to bring it back in line with, with how the movie ended. Uh, Spock's an idiot now, and we're back to using the uh, Klingon bird of prey. Yeah! And I, I got really excited watching them, like, contrive a way to have an entire year's worth of storylines occur. And then stop and be like, that was some long weekend, eh? Anyway, back to work. Yeah, you know. Well, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting. It this is why licensed comics are so fascinating to me is because there are so many hoops you have to jump through, especially when the IP is currently ongoing. You know, you you can't you get to play with the toys, but you got to put them back in time for the next thing. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of, a lot of craft to be able to do that, uh, reliably. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, there are, there are writers and artists I love that I don't think could do that, uh, Mm. nothing against yeah, them it's a very specific talent it, yeah it's a very specific set of skills to allow you <laughs> to uh to play and then just be like okay now we got to get it back everything back in a row for you know star trek 15 uh still at it uh you know <laughs> still fucking trucking um and it, it would have been really fascinating to see how long they could have kept it up if the movies themselves had not been the ones to crap out essentially uh uh when the comics were, were continuing because uh final frontier is one of those movies that unlike the previous three films beforehand uh, it doesn't end on like a cliffhanger or a massive change of venue, location, ship, uh, relationship, various elements. It just kind of is like, anyway, that was a hell of an adventure. Back to it. You know, it's 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 a long weekend of a movie. Uh, and so they managed to get the... Uh, Thankfully, DC uh, seemed to have a great working relationship eventually uh, because of the the long running at this point nature of the comics. Uh, and they were able to get an idea that, OK, Undiscovered Country, which came out in 1991, started production in 89 and they got the like the 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 uh, warning that this is going to be the last of these original uh, Star Trek crew films like th this is where the story will end and so dc was able to finally be like okay okay we can we can slow down 
and we don't have to race from one thing to another. There is, they're, they're telling us that there is a large undefined gap of time between uh, Final Frontier and Star Trek Undiscovered Country. Star Trek Undiscovered Country is the end of, of their adventures. Bleh. So we have as much time as we need in between within logical sense. Like you, you could say five years yeah. if you want to push it. Uh, and that's from the, from that point, from the point of uh, Final Frontier's comic adaptation until the cancellation in 1996 of this original run, that's when it took place. It took place all leading up to Undiscovered Country, but knowing exactly where Undiscovered Country was, haha, uh, and thus being able to plot with timing and pacing towards that end. Not so much to a modern extent where, like, it's perfect, but it doesn't feel jarring. And all while balancing a TNG series at the same time that also ran to 1996. Um, at which point both of these shows, like, the original show, TNG, and the original movies were dead. There was uh, DS9 and Voyager coming up, but DC did not have the rights to that. Mm-hmm. But... The DC comics we got, especially the ones like the ones for for uh, TOS, the the burgundy red shirt years, uh, the flight jacket years uh, of the movies. As I said before, this is what I grew up on. This was like Star Trek to me for so long. Uh, And and then the TNG one as well. Uh, I love their story approaches, their characterizations, their their way of. Being very DC uh, in approaching this, uh, you could you could swap out a lot of characters for like Justice League and Justice League International characters Mm -hmm. and kind of have the same plots going. Mm -hmm. But that just made it richer because they're they're kind of all drawn from the same stereotypes of heroic characters on a team. Yeah. And so it, it always felt just so natural to be reading these comics uh worst of both worlds fantastic uh storyline um uh, about an alternate universe where locutus wins uh and uh riker and crew have to find a way to get the the normal universe to help them defeat the borg victorious it's it's fun it's not polluted by the decades more Borg content that we got like from Voyager and et cetera, et cetera. It's just a comic book, having fun, adapting a thing by being clever and playing with Star Trek canon in a way that Star Trek canon likes to play with itself. It masturbated appropriately. Can we talk about the Bicklers? Yeah. I fucking hate the Bicklers. <laughs> I hate them so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's legit. I, that's valid. I so for context, in the next generation comic, uh from the get-go, we are introduced to this married couple couple called the Bicklers. Who, whenever, whenever, uh, Jordy and Data have been relieved, the Bicklers come in, and they just sit there and bitch at each other the whole goddamn time. And yeah. in theory, <laughs> I get it because, you know, the whole thing early on in Next Generation is the fact that. This is not just a military vessel. Um, sorry, it's Star Trek, so I have to say Wessel. Um, Wessel. Um, this is not just a military Wessel. Uh, it has families aboard. And in the show, they use this to great effect because Jean-Luc Picard doesn't like kids. Um the comic takes it one step further, and in addition to not liking kids, Jean-Luc has to put up with these assholes. 
And <laughs> it's it's one of I just I cannot express how much I just want I want somebody to flash fry these two. I understand that Jean-Luc Picard has to think of his career, so he can't be the one to do it. But maybe like the next time Q shows up, uh, Jean-Luc could just take him aside and be like, listen, next time you're here, I will let you do whatever you want to do. I will put up with whatever. Just um, these two need to go. I cannot, I cannot deal with them anymore. I need them off my ship. Please. See, when I, when I picture it, uh, he's he's actually a little sly and smug about it, and he's just like, ah, oh, Q, there are there's a lovely couple I would like to introduce you to. And he just takes him down there, and like after like two minutes, Q just turns to uh, to Picard, like they're mid sentence, and he just turns to Picard and goes, ew. See, I just, I like, I like to imagine Picard at his, at his wits end, just like, Q, please, you've got to, I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't, they just, they sit there and, and I've suggested they break up and, and they just, they won't hear of it. And so I just have to deal with them just sitting there tearing each other apart during the entire duty <laughs> roster and i can't fucking handle it any more um but yeah i the other the other thing that i really um i don't like the way the next gen uniforms uh hug everyone i uh yeah everyone they, they certainly are i something look snug look the actual next gen uniforms were snug but they were not yeah they did not they weren't superhero spandex and that's the way they look in the <laughs> comics uh where it's just like jean-luc is standing there at the uh at the view talking to the view screen just fucking shredded and like with yeah. like packs and just like mm, yes I'm going to go have my nightly cup of tea <laughs> like I it's it's off putting it's really really off putting I always love that when, uh, like, especially uh, when we were reading the early Star Wars comics and they're like, so, yeah, like, Luke's a hero, so big old packs. Yeah. And then they slap Mark Hamill's face on it. Sure. Why not? I mean, that's how the original <laughs> action figure was and everything. Uh, uh, I, lo I love the original poster. Packs! Shredded! <laughs> Shredded! Gonna go uh, watch some Star Wars. Get swole. <laughs> uh, uh, and hey, fuck. So at an hour, uh, dear listener, you may be wondering, Jesus Christ, how much more of this is there? Well, we're stopping there because it's 1996, or at least the early 90s, and. There's a switchover a coming, and we do not want to have to dig into that uh, sober or this tired. Uh, so we will be saving that for a future episode. Yes, that's right. Malibu Comics, Stormwatch, and IDW saves the day as always. Yeah. Can't believe Wildstorm. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Star Trek Comics from Wildstorm. Yeah. I'm gonna put like a guitar. Yeah. Ah. Uh, it's time to get radical with your Star Wars. Um <laughs> in the meantime, though, uh like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh email us at uh multiversal marketing at gmail.com. 
Uh, if there's something... Just can't even help yourself at this point. I really can't. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if... Leprechaun. If you want to, uh, if you want to suggest something that you'd like to see us cover, uh, you can email us there or reach out to us on social media. Uh, according to the list, uh, we are doing Willow next. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else other than somebody got to stop Mark trail from fucking all those animals. Uh, <laughs> why do they allow this to continue? I can't think of a better ending for this episode, and I don't know if that's good or bad. He is the reason the Care Bears have declared war against us. <laughs> good night. Bye. <laughs>